0: Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. We're in this series 24-6. This is our third week of it. And over the course of this series, we've uh, very simply been trying to slow ourselves down. Rather than than speed up and exhaust ourselves, we've been trying to take a step back and, and make sure that we are prioritizing rest and self-care and and Sabbath. Uh, And we're doing this because it's January. And in January, so often, we focus on resolutions and we focus on going and eating better and working out and and learning new skills and trying to be perfect in anything and everything that we're doing. That's what the world tells us to do. But God says something different. Yes, don't get too excited. He does want us to improve ourselves, right? (laughs) even though sometimes eating at church, you'd never know that. But we, you know, God wants us to be better in those ways, of course, but he also wants us to never exceed this pace, the pace of 24 six. Throughout scripture, God reminds us over and over that he wants us to find time for rest and calm and peace and restoration. Uh, last week, that's what we talked about. We talked about our need for rest. We talked about specifically trying to find things that help us uh, revitalize, things that help us unplug from our busyness. And and I wanna continue that conversation tonight by talking about what I believe is one of the most powerful spiritual practices that we can incorporate into our times of rest. Uh, We're gonna be reading from 1 Corinthians tonight, but before we do that, uh, I wanna give us uh, just a little bit of background, remind us about the contents of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, because it matters. Uh, uh, and so, uh, if you remember, this letter is written around 54 AD by the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the church in Corinth, which he has founded just three or four years earlier. And Corinth was a major port city. It was only about 40 miles from Athens, and so it was a hub for trade. Uh, it was one of the, the wealthiest, uh, and the, the kind of up-and-coming city in the area, one of the most powerful cities in Greece at the time. Well, Paul plants this church in Corinth, and he spends 18 months with them. And and this church is thriving. They're doing great. People are joining left and right. They're out helping their neighbor. It's this wonderful community. And so Paul decides it's time to move on. And so he goes and he plants a church in Ephesus. But a, a year or two goes by, and Paul hears that the church in Corinth has tons of problems. And so he writes this letter in an attempt to address some of those problems, some of, of the conflicts that were happening within the church. And so 1 Corinthians, is, it's, it's a great book of the Bible. It's extremely practical. And it's, it comes in five major sections, five movements. In chapters 1 through 4, Paul writes to them about disagreements they're having over who their favorite pastor is, basically. Some people really liked Paul. Some people really liked Apollos. Other people really liked Cephas or Peter. Um, and and they're disagreeing about that. Who do they listen to? Whose ideas are most important? And then in chapters five and seven, Paul talks about sexual ethics. He talks about our bodies and 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 marriage and, and things uh, like that. And then in eight through ten, he talks about issues regarding food. What are you allowed to eat? What are you not allowed to eat? What is uh, you know what does communion look like in the body of Christ? And then in 11 through 14, he deals with issues of how to worship. When we gather together, what are we supposed to do? What is worship supposed to look like in the church in Corinth? So that is a very 30,000 foot view. But now you know the book of 1 Corinthians. Except for the last part, the most important part, I would say. We get to the last movement, chapter 15. Paul has given all of this practical advice to the Corinthians on how to deal with their disagreements. And now he shares his most crucial piece of advice. This is, this is the central thing that he wants the church in Corinth to understand from this letter. This is the heart of it. And so if you've got your Bibles, I'm gonna ask that you pull those out if you've got a Bible app on a cell phone. Go ahead and pull that out. Of course, we'll have it up here on the screen. Uh, this is a beautiful, beautiful verse though. So I highlighted if you've got your Bibles or, or, or whatever. Um, 1 Corinthians 15 Verses 1 through 10. This is what Paul writes. He says, now I should remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaimed to you, which you in turn received, in which also you stand, through which also you are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaimed to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. For I handed on to you as of first imp- importance what I in turn had received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, or Peter, and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some may have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to someone untimely born, he also appeared to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though, I, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Okay, Paul's most crucial piece of advice, the climax of this letter, is him telling the church to remember the gospel. And that may sound very simple, but but I genuinely believe that this is something that all of us have to do from time to time. We need to get back to the basics, to get ourselves out of all the minutia that we so often fixate on and remember what we believe at the base. One of the most powerful practices that we can incorporate into our times of rest is remembrance. Look, the truth is we are forgetful people Uh, And that is especially true when we live our lives at a 24-7 pace without Sabbath rest. When we do and, and do and do, before long, things begin to fall through the cracks. We've all experienced that. But the danger in letting things slip is that sometimes the things that slip are the really important things. That's essentially what had happened in the church in Corinth, they were spending all of this time debating issues of who could do what, what pastor was best, what food was, was, uh, was ideal to eat over other food. And they had forgotten the most crucial piece of information. Uh, it, it reminds me of something that happened to Stefan Thomas. Uh, if, you, if you don't know his story, Stefan is a successful computer programmer in San Francisco. And like many of us, like me especially, he once forgot his password. But for Stefan, he couldn't just have an email sent to fix it. See, Stefan forgot the password to a small device known as an iron key. And, uh, and that iron key uh, had a digital wallet in it that still to this day has 7,002 Bitcoin on it. Stefan purchased all of those Bitcoin many, many years ago for about $100,000. If you know anything about cryptocurrency, which frankly I don't at all, uh, but those 7,002 Bitcoin today are worth $300 million. And that would be great for him, but he lost the paper where he wrote down the password. And to make matters worse, this device, this iron key, only gives users 10 attempts uh, to guess the password before it encrypts itself permanently. Once you use all 10, you can't get into it. And so far, Stefan Thomas has used eight, which means he has two left before that money is gone for good. Uh, And if, if you read about him, he's tried lots of methods of getting in. He's connected with some of the most gifted programmers in the world, but there is virtually no way to get inside this iron key without the password. So Stefan Thomas has 300 million dollars that he has no way to get to. And it's because he forgot the most important thing. And again, that that is exactly what happens in our scripture. The Corinthians had forgotten the most important thing, the main thing. And I think that's Paul's biggest motivator in writing this letter in the first place. Because even even in the earlier sections of 1 Corinthians that I told you about, when he's talking about worship or personal ethics or food, whatever. He's always bringing it back to the gospel. That's how this letter is written. He says over and over that everything starts there. That if they wanna figure out their ethics in regard to, to, to some issue, that's where they should begin. And he says that over and over and then we get to chapter 15 and Paul puts a point on this letter. And he says, remember, look back. And remember why you started this church in the first place. It wasn't so that you could talk about food. And it wasn't so that you could bicker over the best pastor. He says, let me remind you that all of you are together. You're doing what you're doing because of Jesus. You're doing what you're doing because he lived and he died and he rose again. You have a church because he gave us a mission to be the church, to go on mission, to spread the gospel across the nations. Paul says, please remember. Go back to the basics, go back to the fundamentals. Stop worrying about everything else and keep the main thing, the main thing. I saw a clip of Kevin Hart recently Uh, weird transition, but I want to share it with (laughs) y'all. Sometimes you just got to say it. If you're not familiar with Kevin Hart, he's a comedian, a pretty popular comedian, and he went on Conan several years ago, and he told this story about a time early on in his career. He was still trying to cut his teeth as an entertainer, and he wasn't making much money. He was performing in bowling alleys for like 10 people and and so his mom uh said that that she would help him out that she would give him a chance to to kind of pursue this so anyway i won't tell the whole story let's let's just watch this clip
1: Over again. now you had to live for a while you, you could didn't even really have a place to live did no, you? no 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 i uh i don't like to say not a place to live yeah you know you're right i didn't but my mom my mom kind of my mom was my support system, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I needed an apartment, and I went and got one on my own, I couldn't afford to rent because I was trying to do comedy. So my mom, she was very religious. She said, look, Kevin, I'm gonna put you on my back. I got you for a year. You can go out, do what you want to do. I'm gonna support you. After that, if you don't find a way to feed yourself, then you gotta go You gotta go back to school. You gotta do something productive. I said, mom, okay, give me a year doing this comedy. So my mom was very over-religious. She was always, always telling me to pray, read my Bible. Um, I need rent money. It's coming time for rent money. I'm like, mom, you didn't give me rent this month. She's like, well, did you read your Bible? I'm like, mom, look, I don't have time to talk about the Bible and stuff right now. I need the money. Like, this is for real. They're gonna kick me out. She's like, read your Bible, then talk to me. Mom, okay, goodbye. I hang up with my mom. I ain't gonna do this. Another month go by, I'm getting eviction notices. Mom, stop playing. Like, if you don't give me this money, I'm gonna be homeless. Did you read your Bible? Mom! right now. I'm, I'm not going to have a place to read it in a minute if you don't give me the money. Right. She's like, look, I'm not going to do this with you, Kevin. Read your Bible, talk to me. It gets close to the third month. I'm like, oh my God, like they're really threatening to kick me out. I finally open up my Bible. When I open it up, my mom put all of the checks for the rest of the year in the Bible. Oh, so I open it and all of my rent checks fall out and I just sat there with the dumbest look on my face. Over
0: again. Uh, okay, I-, I love that story. That is a great story. Kevin's mother wanted him to get back to the basics to remember who they were and what they believed and she knew that, that opening his Bible would provide him what he needed not just in the form of those rent checks but also in the form of guidance for life beyond comedy. She knew that it would point him toward the most important thing in life, the main thing, the good news that, that should guide all of us and I think what Kevin Hart's mother was doing was the same thing that Paul's doing in our text. He's trying to get the Corinthians to set their eyes on the stuff that really gives life meaning. To get them back to to what united them in the beginning and gave them their purpose. And again, what united them was not food or or details of, of, of worship practices. It was Jesus What united them was remembering who he is and what he did and why he did it. That was then and it still is now the main thing. All of their petty squabbles pale in comparison to that foundational truth. And Paul knew they just needed to remember that. And you know what? So do we. So do all of us. That's why I love the song that Jacob just sang for us so beautifully. Take Me Back is the name of the song. And every verse, if you notice, starts with those words, I remember. What is it? I remember when I was young. I remember when I was afraid. I remember when I was blind. I remember. So Lord, take me back. Take me back. Take me all the way back to my first love. See, when we slow down, when we adopt this this 24-6 lifestyle that we are shoving down your throat this entire month, when we choose it, we find time for things. We find time for things like reflection and remembrance. And we need that time. We need to remember, we need to go back to our first loves, to the fundamental truths of our faith that God is good that God is love, that God gave himself for every single person that is sitting in this room, every person that's watching online, every person in existence. We need to remember that because when we do, it helps us reset. That was Paul's ultimate goal in writing this letter to the church in Corinth. He wanted them to remember and reset. Because in the beginning, they were doing great ministry. The church that Paul spends the most time at, of all the churches that he planted, was Corinth. 18 months. That was an eternity for him. They were doing great ministry in the beginning. Things were going well. But then they got mired in all the junk. All the little things. Some stuff that mattered, but you know what? A whole lot more that didn't. And that's why remembrance is such a powerful tool for us. That's why it's a spiritual practice that, that I would urge all of us to incorporate into our lives because it helps us reset. It helps us reset our hearts. It helps us reset our, our, our minds. It takes us back to love. Uh, I went to a concert in ba- at Bass Hall in Fort Worth. Hannah and I did with my aunt and uncle a couple of months ago. And I went to see Lyle Lovett. Uh, a lot of you may not be familiar with Lyle, but Lyle is a Texas country legend. And my Aunt Christie, who's a Methodist pastor in Fort Worth, she is a diehard Lyle Lovett fan. She has seen him 20-some-odd times. And so it was on my Aunt Christie' bucket list to go with her. And so he was coming to, to, to Bass Hall, and so we decided to go. And it was a great show. Lyle performs with this, this huge band, and they're really impressive but my favorite part of the show by far was Lyle's storytelling. In between every song, he would, he would tell these great long stories about his life or about how he had met certain members of his band or about his uh, college roommate from A&M, Robert Earl Keane. It was really cool. But, uh, but one story in particular really stuck with me. Lyle talked about a time when he was in second or third grade and he went out fishing with his dad. Well, he was, they were fishing and he cast his rod and he said said he felt this strong resistance. And so he pulled and he pulled, but his hook had never made it into the water. Instead, it had lodged itself into his father's cheek. And so when he pulled his rod, thinking that he had a fish, he, he cut open his father's face pretty badly. And so they had to go immediately rushing to the hospital. And of course, little Lyle felt horrible about this. Just awful. Well, his dad went to the hospital and he got stitched up, but uh, it was pretty obvious and it was true that he had a scar, a large scar on his face for the rest of his life from this. And again, Lyle felt terrible about this. And so eventually when he was a little older, a few years later, he told his dad that. He said, dad, I'm so sorry that I scarred you for, forever. I feel horrible about this. And he shared what his dad responded to him, and it stuck with me. He said that his dad said, don't be sorry. Every time I see that scar in the mirror, I remember that fishing trip and I remember how much I love you. And Lyle said for the rest of his life, every time he saw that, that scar on his dad's cheek, he remembered how much his dad loved him. It was a reset for him, that's how he described it. No matter what, when, whenever he got older and they were butting heads, or in times when they were getting along, whatever they were going through, he would see that scar and he would remember the love that his father had for him. And that's the power of remembrance, y'all. It resets our minds and our hearts toward the main thing, toward love. That's what it did for Lyle with his father and it can do the exact same thing for us with our heavenly father. When we remember his scars... When we remember who he is and what he did, it resets us. It reminds us of how unfathomably deep God's love is for every single one of us. We step back and rest. We remember. And we reset. You know, I I have to do this regularly, to be honest. I wish that I could get up here as your preacher and say that my faith never wavers and I always keep the main thing the main thing. I wish that I could tell you that I don't make the same mistake as the Corinthians and that I never get sucked into little issues that pop up in the church. But I absolutely do. I am guilty of that. And so I regularly need moments when I can take a step back and remember all that God has done for me remember my call to ministry, remember moments to reset my heart and my head on the gospel. And so that is my encouragement, that is my challenge for every one of us tonight is to find time to slow down. Obviously, that's what we're saying every week and we're gonna say it one more week. But to find time to slow down and then take time to remember. Take time to reset. Remember all of those moments that you felt that that unexplainable warmth in your chest during a time of worship or prayer. Remember all the moments that you felt the tug of the Holy Spirit to do something, to make that phone call, or to help someone in need. Remember every moment when you felt that security, that you could take that leap of faith into that next thing, whatever it was in your life. Remember, every time things have just kind of fallen into place, every little coincidence that in the end we know aren't really coincidences at all. Remember the first moment when you realized that you had a God who loved you so much that he did all of the things that Paul said he did in our scripture, that he became one of us that he knew what it was to be human, that he lived and taught and ultimately gave his life for us to bear our sin and to make us free. Remember and let it reset you. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me? God, my prayer for us tonight is that over the course of the next few hours or the next few days or the next few weeks, you would remind us. Help us to remember all those little moments and all those big moments. God, I pray that that there's a moment coming to mind right now, a moment that, that we look back on fondly, a moment where you were so apparent to us that it was just undeniable. And God, I also pray that maybe you'll open our eyes to little moments that that now we realize you were in. Moments we thought we were alone or abandoned and now looking back, we see that you didn't leave our side for a second. Lord, we can't help it. We get stuck in the mud sometimes. We, we, We wanna focus on all the divisive things, all the things we don't agree on. And we want to label ourselves and we want to label other people and we want to make judgments. God help us to have humble spirits. Help us to remember what unites us, what brings us together, what we believe that you are exactly who you say you are, that you are a God who knows what it is to to be us, you know what it is to cry and you know what it is to laugh and you know what it is to have friendships and you know what it is to suffer. God, help us to remember and please reset us so that we can go out and be your hands and feet in a world that desperately need it. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.